You know, uh, tough times can cause us to forget who and whose we are. And we all have tough times. None of us is immune. Uh, We have tough times as individuals. We have tough times as families, sometimes as communities, as churches, as nations. And tough times, however they come, can be very disorienting to us. When we run into a tough time, sometimes it feels like we've lost our bearings. We don't really know which way is north. We're not sure where to go, not sure how to interpret what's happening. We can become anxious in that disorientation. Uh, Tough times can be discouraging for us when we become fearful and worried about what's going to happen, especially in in the tough times where you can't see what the resolution is going to be or that there is any kind of answer that is satisfactory. Tough times can leave us feeling hopeless and isolated and alone. And as people of faith, it is one of the key reasons that we gather each week as the body of Christ to worship. We gather to remember who God is and who we are and that we belong to God. We gather to remember that we are not hopeless and we are not alone. We are a people of hope. We know that the story is not over. We know that whatever's happening in our lives today is not the end of the story. And so whatever our current page is or the current chapter of our lives, as people who follow Jesus, we know that there's more to come. We know that we're not stuck on this page or in this chapter. The story isn't over. Our God is a God of resurrection, always at work, making things new bringing things to new life, new life to us and to the church and to the world. I wonder today what seems most difficult for you in your life. Maybe it's personal for you. Maybe it's an individual difficulty for you. Or maybe it's for a community or your family or for a loved one. But what is it today that seems most difficult Where do you need to remember today that the story isn't over? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our first scripture comes from the prophet Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you, I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, 
do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made. This is a word you may remember to the people Israel who find themselves in a really tough time in exile. They've been forced from their homeland into a foreign land to live under someone else's authority and someone else's place with someone else's customs and culture all around them. And they uh, must have asked questions, much like we do, where is God? Why is this happening to us? Who are we? How is it that we're supposed to make sense of any of this? When will this end? Is this all that there is for us? How did we end up here? Maybe you've asked similar questions in your life. Maybe you're asking them right now. Where is God? How did we get here? I don't even know who I am anymore. Sometimes tough times upend our lives, and those questions are a very natural response, a very natural reaction to the disruption that tough times can bring. But Isaiah offers a word of hope to Israel and to us. Isaiah says a couple of things, that God says a couple of things. You are mine, and I am with you. You are mine, and I am with you. First, you are mine. We belong to God. We are God's beloved children. Our identity is set for us and claimed for us, given to us in baptism, as Colson's was even just a few minutes ago. That sense of being named and claimed by God and empowered by God's Holy Spirit, that identity given to us. And on our best days, when all is right in our world and in the world around us, it's pretty easy to believe that. But on our worst days or weeks or months or years, when we're struggling with our suffering, when we're wrestling with pain, when we have more questions than we do answers, when we live in the midst of doubt and uncertainty and heartache and disappointment on our worst days, sometimes it's really hard to believe that that's true, to believe that we belong to God, to believe that God claims us and that we are God's beloved children I think it's often in the times in between our best days and our worst days that the certainty of, of who we are begins to erode. We become uh, somewhat comfortable in the way things are going. And, and in the world in which we live, what often happens is that we, we begin to compare our lives with other people's lives. And always there's someone else who is going to be smarter or funnier or have more of whatever it is we think we need. And when we begin comparing ourselves to one another, we, we then enter into this sense of competition. We feel insecure about who we are. And so we enter into a competition uh, to try to attain a status or to earn a place or to be more than someone else. We don't necessarily do that consciously. It, it happens as a result of living in this culture that we do. But always looking around us for something to give meaning 
to our lives. And I think that's where this sense of, of who we are begins to sort of fall away. And we need to remember every day that we are God's beloved children. We've been baptized. I love the story of Martin Luther. I've told it to you a number of times that Martin Luther, the the great uh, Protestant uh, Reformation theologian, used to experience times of despair and doubt. And he he had a sign above his desk that said, Remember, Martin, you are baptized. Be calm. You are baptized. And it said that he would touch his forehead to remind himself We're named and claimed by God. It doesn't really matter what the rest of the world tells us about who we are. We are named and claimed by God. You are mine. I love you, God says. You are mine. He's talking to Israel when they're in one of their toughest spots. I wonder if if you can hear God saying that to you wherever you are. I love you. You are mine. Not only that, you are mine, but I am with you. I am with you. Do you did you notice uh, the word here? I'll, I'll go back to it. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. It's a guarantee that we're going to have tough times. It doesn't say if you pass through the waters. It doesn't say if you walk to the fire. But when, when you pass through the waters, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When you go through the things that you don't understand, when everything around you seems to be being consumed, when you feel like you're drowning, in all that the world is throwing at you, when the storms of life threaten your livelihood, when the situation you face feels like walking into fire, God says, I am with you. Sometimes I think we we experience tough times and we somehow believe that God is on the periphery or that God's, you know, we've walked in and God says, I'll meet you on the other side. God is with us in the water, in the fire, in the storms. It doesn't say God will take those things away. It says God will be with us. And God will be with us not because of anything we've done or not done or said or not said. God will be with us precisely because we belong to God. God's already named us, already claimed us. You are mine I will be with you. When all of these things are happening, I will be with you. You are mine. Paul reminds us in Romans, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Hope does not disappoint us because of God's love that has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
these difficult times that we face, God's answer to our deepest cries, to our deepest need, is often not a practical solution to the problem, but it's a personal relationship. It is the promise that we are not alone. It is a promise from God who is our creator, who makes us, and from God who is Jesus. Jesus, Emmanuel, literally means God with us. And from the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we go through tough times, we are not alone. God is with us. That's the promise of Scripture. And if the world tells you any differently, it's the world that's lying to you. God is with us. We belong to God, and God is with us right here, right now. The book that we've kind of been using uh, for this series called Citizens of Hope, uh, written by Clayton Oliphant and his uh, sister Mary Brooke Cassad. Uh, Clayton's a senior pastor at First UMC in Richardson, and he tells a great story about his five-year-old daughter who one day they were in the car and she heard uh, the Doobie Brothers song, Jesus is Just All Right With Me. Right, Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is all right with me. Oh, yeah. And so uh, he, for him, it was one of his uh, favorite things. So he cranked it up to make sure she could hear it really, really well, right? And he said later that night, he heard her singing the top of her lungs. But this is what she was singing. Jesus stays up all night with me. Jesus stays up all night. Oh, yeah. And he said he thought, you know, it's the wrong words. But it's pretty good theology, right? God is with us all the time when we don't know what to do, when we can't remember who we are. God's answer comes as God's presence. When we have no words, God gives us the word, the word made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus reminds his disciples at the end of the uh, Gospel of Matthew, and remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. You know, when we are afraid and when things are hard and when we're not sure where to turn or where to go, it's so easy for us to forget all of these reminders through Scripture that God is with us. From the prophets of old, from Jesus himself being God with us to the gift of the Holy Spirit present with us here and now, We need to remember that God is with us. We don't have to beg God to be present with us. God is with us right here, right now, all day, all night. Just this past week, I found a note that had marked, uh, I'd marked a date that was a reminder of when my dad had his heart attack back in 2012. And what I remember clearly from that day was talking to my stepmother on the phone and being so worried and concerned and He lives in Albuquerque. There was no way that I could get to him, and uh, there was absolutely nothing I could do to help him. And so I was was feeling uh, that angst that we feel when we can't get to someone that we want to be with or or take care of what needs to be taken care of. And uh, that night, as I was uh, without sleep, as I was praying and, and unable to go to sleep, it finally occurred to me, God is with me. Oh, and God is with my dad. And by God's Spirit, I am with him. And this sense of peace washed over me. Because what I knew was I can rest in God's presence with me 
and trust that God's presence is also with my dad and provides rest for my dad. I don't have to be in the same place to know God's presence and to know God's peace that allows me to rest and to trust and to hold on to hope. I wasn't hopeless. God says to Israel, you are mine, I am with you. And then a little later in that chapter, he says, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God makes a way when there seems to be no way. God makes a way when there seems to be no way. Sometimes I think we have to get to that point of thinking that there's no way to be able to see that God's way is in front of us. Because so often, out of our fear or anxiety or, or our hopelessness, we only see one way, and that's usually our way. But God will make a way where there seems to be no way. This is Admiral Jim Stockdale. Some of you may know about him. He was shot down over North Vietnam. He spent eight years in the Hanoi Hilton, was tortured, and uh, basically spent a lot of that time in solitary confinement. He's the highest-ranking prisoner of war in the Vietnam War. Jim Collins, who's a business leader in our nation, has written a book called Good to Great. It's been out for a number of years. But in it, he had interviewed Stockdale and, and talked to him about his time there and what it was that helped him survive and, and make it out. Of there, and uh, Stockdale said that he had no way to know when or how his imprisonment would end. He didn't have any way to know that, but he never lost hope that the story wasn't over. He never lost hope that the end of the story was God's doing and not his. And so Collins asked him about all the prisoners of war that had died while they were there. And Stockdale said a lot of them were optimists. They were the ones who would say, we'll be out by Christmas, and then Christmas would come and go. And then they would say, we'll be out by Easter, and Easter would come and go. Well, then it was Thanksgiving, and then Christmas again, and then Easter again, and he said, many of them died of a broken heart because they just couldn't even accept the reality of where they were. They were holding on only to a, a day on the calendar that would come and go. He said, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. Jim Collins talked about this as the Stockdale paradox. You have to hold on to hope. You have to know that your story isn't over. You have to hold on to hope that the end of the story is different than where you are now. But you also have to face the brutal facts of where you are right now. When we're going through a tough time, it doesn't help to deny that you're going through a tough time. It doesn't help to dismiss that you're going through a tough time. Because when we spend energy, time and energy... Simply saying that, oh, it's okay, oh, it's really not that bad. What we're doing is we're, we're limiting the energy we have to actually hold on to real hope. What we need is not optimism. 
What we need is hope that is ours in Christ. The pain and the confusion and the struggle and the worry, they are real. And wishful thinking will never make them go away. Hope, real hope, allows you to stay the course through them, even if they don't go away. The difference between optimism and wishful thinking and hope, as as Christians, our hope is not from wishful thinking, but from God's presence, reassuring us, you are mine, I am with you, and I will make a way where there seems to be no way. We have a God who in the midst of every situation is giving us a solid foundation for hope. And if we can stay on that solid foundation of hope, then when the tough times come, and they will, we have something to hold on to. In 1 Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In Christ, our inheritance is secure. When we are named and claimed by God, when we are beloved children of God, we are heirs with Christ. Paul says in Romans, we are heirs with Christ. All that is Christ's is ours as beloved children of God. We can stand on that when tough times come. We can trust the story to stay connected, to stay grounded. We can trust that we can can hold on to hope and we can extend hope to others because we know this isn't the end of the story. No matter how difficult, no matter how tough, no matter how limited our vision, wherever we are right now is not the end of the story. I wonder what tough times look like for you right now. Or maybe not for you. Maybe it's for someone in your family or for your community, or maybe you're witnessing tough times with someone else. But if if we can remember, we can believe and remember that our place is secure with God, our place is secure with God, then we can hold space for others to be beloved, even if they are different from us. We can hold space for God to do the work in and around us, even though we don't know what that looks like. We can be grounded in hope, not wishful thinking, but in hope that is ours in Christ. We live in a society that is increasingly polarized, increasingly fearful and anxious. If you pay attention to the news when you turn it on, uh, it, it, it will frighten you. And in some ways, uh, all of our media and even our news, but our advertising, uh, their goal is to make us anxious enough that we'll do what they tell us to do. Uh, Luke loves to watch the Weather Channel, so we watch a lot of the Weather Channel. And, and uh, we've had a lot of storms recently. But if you, even if you just watch the Weather Channel, their headlines are, are terribly frightening. Uh, storms slam southern United States, right? Or uh, whatever words they can come up with. I think they must have a thesaurus. 
that they go to and look for the most dangerous and frightful words, right? Um, when we give in to the world around us that benefits from us being afraid, then the world wins. We don't have to be afraid. Our hope is in Christ. The story's not over. Our God does new things and makes a way where there seems to be no way. I wonder what it would look like for you every day to remember that you're a beloved child of God. What would it look like for you to remember every day that you are not alone? What would it look like for you every day to extend the same reminder to those who are around you? We don't have to be afraid. God says, do not fear. I am with you. When you leave today at either of the exits, there's bowls of water and a sign that just says, touch the water, remember your baptism, and be thankful. A lot of churches uh, have their baptism font as you come into the worship center so that you can't come into worship without seeing the water and being invited to touch the water because that's how we remember who we are in baptism. So I invite you, uh, whether you touched it coming in or not, to touch it as you go back out into the world. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Remember that you're not alone. We're going to have tough times. That's a given. But we also have hope. That's the gift to us in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, you know that our hearts are sometimes frightened. You know that we feel alone. You know that we forget that you are with us. Help us remember and remind one another that you are with us all the time that we don't ever have to wonder if you are present, you are. And that we can simply call out your name. We can simply turn our hearts toward you. And we can know the peace that you give to us. We can know the assurance that we belong to you. Lord, help us in the midst of this broken and frightening world <laughs> to hold on to the hope that you give to us, the hope that is ours, that is secure for us, that we might be ones who stand up in the face of fear, who stand up in the face of the tough times to declare your presence with us, among us, to declare your presence doing a new thing and making a way in the world where there seems to be no way. Let us not ever give up the hope that we have in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.